Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Morrissey Movement. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss and share one aspect of fitness and one aspect of medicine. Being a general surgeon and a garage gym athlete, I have a strong passion for both of these aspects of life. So sit back and enjoy the show. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I am in no way forming a patient-doctor relationship. While the aspects discussed in this podcast are medically accurate, you should always discuss with your doctor any questions that you may have about the content. You should always discuss with your doctor before starting any new exercise or dietary changes. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Dr. Chris Morrissey back for another episode of the Morrissey Movement. Uh, I first want to thank everyone who has been listening and giving positive feedback. I really appreciate it. I also want to give a shout out to Mark Bishop for understanding and appreciating the Sex Panther reference in episode 9. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and give it a listen. Mark Bishop is one of the guys from the Garage Gym Athlete community, so he obviously listens to my show, and I really appreciate that. So thanks a lot, Mark. So today we're going to talk about two different topics. Um, We're going to discuss music and specifically music in the operating room and also migraine headaches discussing the aspect of therapeutic Botox. So music has had many therapeutic effects on people. I'm a huge fan of music. At home, we almost always have music playing if we're not actively watching TV or or something like that. So if we're cooking or just enjoying dinner, a lot of times we'll have music playing in the background. My kids have a pretty vast knowledge of music from the 70s all the way to the present. We always play the Who Sings This Game. I try to get them to want to know who sings music and at least the name of the song that they are interested in. So we also play this game in the operating room. Uh, For me... I am a huge fan of heavy metal, specifically death metal. I also love old school punk and thrash metal from the 80s and 90s. Um, Most people don't really appreciate death metal, so I am usually not allowed to play this in the operating room, but we will play things like Iron Maiden, Pantera, Slayer, Slipknot, White Zombie, and etc. But also we'll listen to 80s and 90s rock, old school rap, and so on. The only rule I have in my operating room is that there is absolutely no country music that can be played. This is the one thing that actually distracts me in a negative way way i can do classical music i can do world type music gregorian chant anything like that i just can't do country so during an operation if the case is actually being a little bit difficult i will cue alexa to change it to something else and usually play something way heavier and this really helps me focus a lot better if i had my way i'd be playing hardcore death metal every day but again most people don't like that i'm a particular fan of things like cannibal corpse cattle decapitation or anything that's super hard and fast and really you can't understand what they're saying so the harder and faster it is the more i like it lately i've also been into european death metal especially viking metal amon amarth is one of my favorite bands right now but there's also so many others that i uh, do enjoy i typically will go down some sort of metal rabbit hole and end up adding a ton of music to Apple Music. Um, I'll usually just say, you know, find the similar artists and then I'll listen to those and add those to my account also. So it just kind of continues to grow. So I'm going to get off starting about the uh, um, music in the operating room. So I pulled a uh, kind of a meta-analysis of a bunch of different studies into one study. Um, so the title of this is The Influence of Music on the Surgical Task Performance, a Systematic Review. This is from the International Journal of Surgery back in January 2020, so it's fairly recent. Um, so there was a literature search done using PubMed and Medline, ScienceDirect, and Google Scholar. Um, Basically, these people uh, looked for the terms music and operating theater as well as music and surgery. The search was limited to citations in English from the year 2009 to 2018. 
search items were considered from the nature of articles, data publication, form of publication, aims and main findings in relation to the use of music in the operating room. Grading of recommendations, assessment, develop and evaluation criteria were applied. Studies were included based on predetermined inclusion criteria where after the paper quality assessments and evidence grading were completed by two independent reviewers. The protocol was registered with Prospero Register of Systematic Reviews. Out of 18 studies that were formed the base for evidence evaluation, six studies were assessed as having high quality and eight studies of having moderate quality. Five studies provided both strong and moderate scientific evidence for a positive effect on music on a surgeon's task performance. In contrast, strong scientific evidence for a negative effect of music on surgeon's task performance was also revealed in two high-quality studies. Nevertheless, the positive effect on music in the operating room and surgical performance was significantly higher when compared to its negative effect rate, p-value less than 0.0001. Strong scientific evidence for a positive or benefit effect on music on surgeons' task performance was given in two high-quality studies. The first study about plastic surgery task performance showed improvement efficacy of skin repair in a simulated wound closure model at the same time as trainees listened to music during their performance and their preference of music. There was an overall reduction of operating time of 8% in trainees. The reduced time improved to 10% in upper level trainees. The quality of skin repair also improved slightly in the music listening group. The second study showed improvement in a test of hand-eye coordination in ring, rope, and capping activities as laparoscopic training tasks and a Mozart effect was discovered in two forms. Quantitatively, an average improvement in performance time and qualitatively in terms of um, participants exposed to music differed from those with no music. Initially, slower participants were more influenced by music. Listening to Mozart enhanced spatial temporal reasoning, while Wiseman's results extended this further by showing that qualities in music influence the performance of completed physical tasks. The Mozart effect is not tied to Mozart, but to music in general. It can be applied to improve surgeon efficacy in a personalized way to his or her music taste and learning patterns. So basically, they used a laparoscopic training simulation, which we will do in training. Um, basically, this involves a... a uh, it can be as simple as a iPhone connected to a um, computer or even just using the iPhone itself as a monitor and then using laparoscopic instruments, moving little pegs around or moving rubber bands or little ropes or things like that. So this is the task that they used. Moderate scientific evidence for a positive effect on music was provided from one high-quality study where it was demonstrated that listening to relaxing music leads to improved surgical motor learning. By correlating auditory stress with mental stress on surgical performance, positive implications for postgraduate surgical training were found. It was advised that music could be low-cost yet efficient device to reverse some of the mental stressors' negative effects on surgical motor learning. Classic music promoted surgical memory consolidation and could produce the possibility to predict surgeons' performance and learning under stress. In addition, moderate scientific evidence of a positive effect of music, especially Mozart in a broad sense, improved surgical skills and memory consolidation. Researchers found that surgeons in general enjoyed music and did not consider music as a distractive element. So another question was asked, does surgeons' task performance get impaired by music? Strong scientific evidence for a negative effect of music on surgeon tax performance was received from two high-quality studies. The first study computed quantitative analysis of music and communication from 20 operations and found that 
out of 5,303 requests slash responses, 69 were, re were repeated requests, six of which were from cases found strong evidence that playing music in the operating theater during task performances correlates with significant more repeated requests between surgical team members compared to no music situation. Neither situation's confidence intervals overlapped, implying a factual difference in the outcome of playing music versus not playing music. The calculated risk difference was highly significant and not likely to be due to chance. Analysis of the repeated requests revealed an increase per repeat to operation time of 40 to 68 seconds and uncovered increased tension due to frustration from unproductive communication. The impact of loud music on communication hindered the nurses to hear the surgeon's requests. Surgeons had to repeat themselves and therefore it took longer time for nurses to respond with assistance. Furthermore, it was found that in Interoperative noise volume relates to successful surgical site infection measured 30 days after surgery, possibly due to the surgeon's or surgical team's lack of concentration in a stressful environment and may represent a surrogate parameter by which to assess the team's performance. Type of noise, spoken language, or music was not registered. To eliminate general background noise, the baseline was set to the lowest decibel level measured during the operation for each of the 35 patients. Noise tapes were made in two operating theaters of the same size with identical equipment. The overall median sound level of 25.2 decibels constituted a cutoff value in noise groups above or below this value. Noise values for comparison were a quiet situation of 20 decibels, normal conversation of 50 decibels, and street traffic of 70 decibels. Non-patient related conversation correlated with sound level. Median sound levels during surgery were higher for patients who developed a surgical site infection than those with primary healing. Also, peak noise levels of at least 4 decibels above the median were found at 22.5% of peaks of patients with surgical site infection compared to 10.7 in those of primary healing. So basically it uh, comes down to if the music is too loud and people have to shout and repeat cer certain items or tasks, then they should probably turn down the music and this would help with this. Now there's also another thing looked at which music essentials impact the surgical task performance positively or negatively. Answers to the questions which music essentials impact surgical task performance positively or negatively, answer summation. So music improved efficiency and time of wound closing plus enhanced the quality of skin repair and plastic surgery. General qualities in music, not only Mozart sonata for two pianos, influence the performance of completed surgical tasks during surgery as well as before surgical task performance. Music improved memory consolidation and could serve as a resourceful device to reverse some of the stressor-induced negative effects on surgical motor learning. Yet, if the sound level during surgery was high, the patient suffered a significant risk to contract a surgical site infection in 17% of the operations. Again, in other words, median sound levels during surgery were higher for patients who developed surgical site infections than those with primary healing. So basically, just you should keep the music down and you will get a better outcome. <clears throat> so music really does improve performance in the operating room. Another realm is in exercise. There have been some studies done that uh, music to the person's liking does improve exercise performance. Um, so I will ask a question, what is your go-to song if you're going to go for a PR or a personal record? So for me, I have quite a few actually, a few of my go-tos in no particular order. Own Your World by Hatebreed, Effing Hostile by Pantera, 
Twilight of the Thunder Gods by Amon Amarth, Thunderkiss 65 by White Zombie, and My Curse by Killswitch Engage. So basically what I'll do is I'll be getting ready to go for a PR, say on back squat or deadlift, I'll crank it up to 11 and then go for the gold. However, if I'm running, there's a few other songs that I will use if I want to increase my pace. Um, among the ones that are listed above, I'll also add to this list of Straight Outta Compton and also 100 Miles and Running by NWA. Holla If You Hear Me by Tupac, and Can't Trust It by Public Enemy. Um, however, if I'm doing a Zone 2 run and these songs come on, I actually skip these because I will just increase my running pace without really realizing it, and then I'll be out of my heart rate zones, thus destroying the Zone 2 aspect of my workout. Um, now, I did read an interesting thing in a book by Dan John that I'm currently reading um, about trying to listen to music that you hate in order to get a better workout or to get a better PR. Um, me, personally, I can't get myself to crank up the Conway Twitty or whatever the country kids are listening to these days. Yes, it would completely piss me off, but I feel this would be more of a negative impact on my training and so I'm not even going to attempt this but if you want to hey go ahead it's all up to you um, so heavy metal is actually a good segue to migraines because some people claim that they do get a migraine from heavy metal so migraine headaches affect a ton of people in the United States as well as worldwide they can be very debilitating in nature resulting in missing work school and also family time there are multiple medications on the market to try to prevent them from happening and also getting rid of them once they occur. Um, there's another option that I'm going to be talking about today, which is called therapeutic Botox. Um, I personally started using this about a year ago in, um, to try to prevent migraines in my clients. So far, the results have actually been really amazing. All of the people I have treated so far have noticed a reduction in headache number as well as intensity which is obviously the point of the therapeutic Botox treatment. So how does one get treated for it? So I perform these treatments at Rajiv Spa here in Winfield, Kansas, where I serve as the medical director. Um, I also perform some other procedures here, but this is one that we've been employing um, within the last year or so. So what happens is first I'll see the person as a consult to see if they are a good candidate for the treatment. Most of the criteria is actually insurance driven, just like everything else in the medical world. So um, some of the criteria includes you have to have at least 20 headache days per month. Half of them have to be migraine type in nature, including photophobia which means that light hurts your eyes nausea and or vomiting also phonophobia or meaning that sound or noise is really making the headaches worse most of the time it's usually what's called unilateral or just one side of the head that is affected and sometimes it'll also originate from the neck and move forward period sometimes people will notice this in their eyes or they feel a pulsating type fashion um, the headaches have to last at least four hours and I also ask about missed work or trips to the emergency room or missed school. Then I inquire about medications that have been used. Most insurances require the client to have been on at least two preventative medications. Some of them require three. These include beta blockers or calcium channel blockers, which are actually blood pressure medications. Some of the ones you may have heard of are propranolol, metoprolol, or nifedipine, and so on. There's also some antidepressants on the market that can be used to treat migraines, um, and also some other ones such as gabapentin, which is typically used for either seizure disorders or restless leg syndrome. Then also you have to have tried at least one abortive medication, which can include ibuprofen, naproxen, Fioracet, or some of the other abortive migraine medications like Imitrex or Zomig. 
So if all these have been tried and actually have failed and the person does meet criteria, we will then submit a prior authorization to the insurance company to see if the insurance will actually pay for the treatment. Patients can also pay out of pocket for this if they desire, or they can use something called um, care credit, which is actually a, a health care-based credit card that can be used to pay for this. So once you're approved, then you'll come in for a treatment. Um, we come into the treatment room. They'll sit down in a chair. Then we actually cleanse the skin with alcohol and begin the treatment. So you receive 31 injections, which sounds kind of like a lot. Um, the needles are very small. They're typically a 32 or 33 gauge needle, so it's very tolerable. Um, <clears throat> so there are actually seven zones that I treat. Um, starting off, I typically begin on the back side of the patient for the treatment. So you'll get three injections in the trapezius muscle in the area between the neck and the shoulder on each side. So a total of six injections there. Then you'll get four injections at the base of the skull, two on each side. Then move up a little bit on the back side of the skull for another six injections, three on each side of that. Then I'll move to each side of around the ear region, around the temporalis muscle, and you'll get four injections on each side of that. Then moving to the front, there'll be four injections straight across the upper forehead. Then there'll be one injection above each eyebrow and then one injection between the eyes and that's it. So you're getting a total of 155 units of Botox that are injected, which is way more than cosmetic. Cosmetic on average is anywhere between 20 up to 50 units of Botox. So it's a lot different, but the concentration is different and this is more of a medical grade than for a cosmesis. Um, so the treatment takes about 10 minutes. It doesn't take very long. I just have to mix it and then begin the injections. So how often does this have to happen? You have to come back every three months. Um, so this is something where it's not a one and done. You have to come back multiple times to um, benefit from this. Um, does this completely eradicate headaches? No, it does not. So picture a volume knob on a stereo. Think of your worst headache and equate that to a 10. Botox will take your headache down from a 10 to about a 3. The literature will state that people usually don't see any noticeable results until around the third round of treatments. This is when they'll experience the maximum benefit of this. Um, now, that is the literature. All of my clients that I've treated thus far have actually reported results after their first round. Some significant, some it's a noticeable difference, but not completely where they're wanting to be. Um, so I will tell this to people that are especially new clients when I'm, when I'm interviewing them, but I tell them not to expect this, that this is not the norm. Um, some people also may see some cosmetic results from therapeutic Botox, but again, I will state this is not expected. Um, can someone get both cosmetic and therapeutic Botox? Yes, you can. Um, what I usually do is I recommend getting them two to three days apart. So I will usually recommend someone, if they're especially getting therapeutic Botox for the first time, let's treat you to see how you do. You may get some cosmetic effect, and that'll kind of let me gauge how much cosmetic you may need. So if they receive a treatment, they can come in two to three days later, and I can also inject some cosmetic Botox if they're requesting this as well. So that's pretty much it for today. Um, I really appreciate the everyone listening. Um, so if you're interested in getting therapeutic Botox, find a provider in your area and see if you're a candidate. If you're near the Winfield area, please feel free to contact Rajiv Spa. I'd be more than happy to see you and meet with you to see if we can help you. If you aren't into music during exercise, give it a try and see if this will be helpful for you so you may figure out that you may like it. Thanks for listening to the show. Please give up to a five-star review. It really helps the show reach more people. So get up and get moving. And remember, movement is the best medicine.